Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sanin Podcast. Um, today we're joined by an amazing guest, Dr. Samantha Banda. She's the founder of Appreciate Africa Network, the Pride of Africa Asia Awards, United Nations Fellow, and author, and was selected as the most influential people in African descent, top 100. Samantha, Dr. Samantha Sibenda, you're welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, good evening, everyone. Okay. Um, well, I've just read your, your works here. You have an impressive uh, resume. Um, but like for someone who does not know you, how would you describe yourself and the works you do? <laughs> okay. Um, I think I would... I basically love to call myself a change maker. Um, that's who I am. But anyway, for those who don't know me, um, Samantha, I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm proudly Zimbabwean. And um, my mother of two. Uh, my son is uh, 25, turning 25, actually. Uh, he's doing his um, medical degree. He's in his final year. And my daughter is turning 17. Um, I'm a single mom of two, and I've been in China for the past 15 years. And <laughs> uh, I am into education professionally. I'm a school principal, uh, currently working for North Anglia as uh, the head of uh, a boarding school. So, professionally, I'm um, into education, leadership, and administration. And then uh, on the side, of course, I do, I run the organization Appreciate Africa Network. And I also have a registered company here in China, which is called Elevate Flair, that organizes events. So uh, those are some of the things that I do for someone who doesn't know me. I hope that is clear. Okay. Uh <laughs> It's amazing, you know, you spent quite a time in China and you managed to do all these things. So uh, where do I start from? Um, let's start with Appreciate Africa Network. Tell us about it and the work you do with Appreciate Africa Network. Right. So Appreciate Africa Network um, is an organization. It's actually registered in Hong Kong. Um, I started it in... 2013 it was founded in 2013 and the way that this organization started just as the name says appreciate africa it came from you know me noticing that people were not appreciating africa for what it has or for who we are as africans you know people will just look at us and think maybe we're just from the jungle africa is one country africa is this you know there was a whole lot of negativity and a lot of stereotypes prejudices that people had of africa um and the reason for actually starting this was for me to promote africa to promote the other side of Africa that people didn't get to hear because normally you go to the, uh, on the internet, you know, when you 
check Africa, it's either we've got pictures of, you know, the kids with flies on their faces, when, you know, even here in China, people, when they're posting things about Africa, it's always about the poor kids and or animals and stuff, and nothing really uh, positive that people get to learn about Africa. So the purpose for starting this organization was to try and promote Africa in a positive way, to show the world the other side of Africa that people rarely show to them. Okay. Um, so with Appreciate Network, if I'm to get you right, it's making giving the African narrative, the true African narrative, the other side yes. of what's not represented about Africa. Yes. Um, so what has been the major highlight with that, that you've done so far? That success that you can mention? Ever since uh, starting the, the organization, um, I've done a lot to, to promote, you know, um, Africa. And I think the major, major highlight uh, came when, um, I don't know if you're already here in China, when you remember the museum in Wuhan? I don't know if you were here or if you had that. There was a museum in Wuhan, that a provincial museum that um, decided to have an exhibition. Uh, to uh, The exhibition was called This is Africa. And that exhibition, they had photographs of African people, and then they were likening them to animals. And, you know, the theme was This is Africa. So finding that out, uh, you know, it was really hurtful for any Africans who, uh, who are here in China or even all over the world. You know, when people saw that, it it hurt because, you know, we're continuing to say people still don't understand what Africa is. And imagine someone who's never been to Africa and seeing that something like a big provincial museum saying this is Africa. That was the theme. And what they're calling Africa is <laughs> more like an insult. So I started a petition. Uh, I wrote a petition to try and uh, stop that exhibition. That exhibition was um, for eight days. So I wrote a petition and uh, I think we managed to get this exhibition stopped on the third day. Nice. Yeah, so um, that took a lot, though, but yeah, we managed to have that exhibition shut down and also get an apology from that museum and the photographers back to the African people. So wow. that's something that uh, our organization did. And also uh, during uh, the COVID era, just trying to, you know, help the Africans and and stuff. So actually... Uh, maybe let me let me just say something that uh, our organization has done. You know, when uh, we started Appreciate African Network, that was in 2012 going into 2013, there were not as many African organizations that were doing this. So yeah. we became um, the thing of like when people thought of Africa or an African organization, they would come to appreciate African network. So the main purpose in the beginning was to try and promote Africa. But then we then sort of like, I wouldn't say evolved, but based on what was going on, people started, you know, 
seeing our organization as an organization that helps Africans. So we started also receiving um, quite a number of um, issues that Africans were having in China. So we ended up also getting into not only promoting, but protecting the rights of Africans. So the mission then ended up being to promote and protect. I don't know if, if that makes sense. More like we're now pro protecting the rights yeah. of Africans, Africans who are being wronged, Africans who are being arrested, Africans who needed help, Africans who were being treated bad and all that. So it was now that representation of, you know, we're promoting Africa, but at the same time, we're also protecting it. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Okay. Um. So in your works, like, don't you usually have confrontations with the authorities? Uh, it looks like it's likely. Sometimes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, when the when we did the what was that called the, the provincial museum i think you can imagine that this is a provincial museum that is owned by the government so if i'm writing a petition to say stop then i'm actually challenging the government but yeah. um when you're doing this advocacy work with appreciate africa um the general context is as you've said protecting and serving africans we're in China, and right now China's influence on the African continent is rising. And what is shown on paper is it's a win-win and, you know, mm. mutual benefits and all that. Um, do you think that um, that message of win-win has been translated to the, to the masses, both in China and Africa? Or is it just at the leadership level? It's just at the leadership level, to be honest with you. I think it's uh, it hasn't been to the masses. It's not clear in the masses, you know, um, because I'll just give one simple, simple, simple uh, example of what, you know, how this is really misrepresented. You know, when we, uh, I, I don't know about other African countries, let me speak on, on uh, based on Zimbabwe, because I, I know Zimbabwe very well. I'll give you an example. When I first came into China, the reason was uh, there was this um, look east policy. There was a policy that was signed between our government and the Chinese government that, you know, we could go to China, we could get visas easily. So we came to China with that hope of like, you know what, we, we, we can get jobs easily. It was easy for us to get the visas from our country to come into China, you know, during that time. And getting here was easy, but when we were here, People were, were not getting their visas renewed. So you see like someone coming in saying, you know what, I'm going to work. This is our government and, and stuff. And then you get here, you get stuck. I get so, you. yeah. So I think this is where most Africans or most African countries really got it. Some of the countries, it's easier to get into China, to get that visa, to just come in. But when you're in, it's hard actually difficult to even get a work visa when you're an African. 
Yeah, but I, I think our leaders, maybe when they did um, those agreements, those MOUs, I don't know, they, they never looked at such uh, issues. And another example is for our medical students. I have a son who's studying medicine. You know, they, they come here, they study medicine, most of them on scholarship. They study in Chinese. But you do medicine, where are you going to? And then you're not allowed to work here. So imagine you've studied medicine in Chinese. How to ask, you know, like I think medicine is one subject that the terminology as a doctor when you're writing. So I'm I'm trying to imagine how our students who studied medicine in Chinese go back to our countries how how do they ask the history of a patient? So all all, all those things anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's some of the the issues that I feel our leadership also should you know in as much as we want the scholarships, but you know there are certain things where you ask yourself like okay if I'm doing this in this language and then I'm not allowed to work where the language is used. How am I communicating with others? Do you think a person who did a doctor in Chinese would be able to to talk about cancer in English? Just just food for thought. I don't know if I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, another aspect of of your career which I'm interested in is the Pride of Africa Asia Awards. I think mm -hmm. I got to know about these awards. I think last year. Is it? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but but I've been running over for 10 years. I think this year is your 10th year. This is our 10th year, yes. Yeah. And so far, it's like the biggest African award show here in China. Um, yeah. So I want to ask, um, why did you start it? And what's the aim behind it? Right. So like I said, when I started Appreciate African Network, it was to promote African Africans here in China. And... Um, I asked myself, how else can I promote? It can be through the events of, you know, doing all this African thing. and But then I said, what about the Africans themselves? Because like I, I told you before that, you know, when people look at us as Africans, most of them here don't think that we went to school or they look at us, they see maybe either drug dealers or, you know, <laughs> people, all of us maybe work in a kindergarten uh, according to them, you know. So mm -hmm. I wanted to try and showcase that, you know what, we've got Africans in different fields. And when I came, uh, I mean, uh, I came here the year of the Olympics, there was, you could not see any African being featured in any Chinese newspaper, you know? There were Africans that are, are, I could see that are doing a lot, but no one knew about them, you know? And you can't read about them. You can't see them in the Chinese TV. You can't do anything. So I felt as an African, it was my duty to make sure that we are known out there for people to know that, you know what, these, there are doctor, African doctors in China, there are African businesses who are running multi and employing Chinese people. There are people who, you know, are into entertainment. There are people who, who are doing a lot. So this was more to try and showcase what we're doing Remember, I'm trying to remove the stereotypes that they have about our people because usually 
they they think maybe all of us don't have papers or you know we it's always negative so the awards was started to showcase and recognize africans who are doing amazing things here in china okay that's nice that's nice and um so when you're doing these awards has has do you think that they inspire people to like the africans here to keep on pursuing their careers at their highest level has someone yes. ever approached you and told you that you know um i i think maybe you've had it um having been here for you know this is my 15th year I've met Africans who I've seen lying and saying that they are from America or they are from Canada, from England, just for them to get jobs, just for them to get recognition. You know, Africans were embarrassed. Africans were scared to proudly pro proclaim that they're African. And doing these awards, you know, it's, just giving them that thing of like, we see you. You don't have to be American for us or for the world to know you. You can still be African and proud and, you know, get the same benefits. Because I was saying that our youths were getting lost into trying to become other people because they feel maybe if I market myself as an African, no one would want to take me. Let me market myself as someone from the UK or from, you know, from the US. So it was also not only promoting ourselves, but also trying to change that mindset that our people were having of like, man, it's pointless to be African in China because no one will employ me or no one will give me a chance, no one would, you know. So we use this platform for people to know or to even, um, I think the awards platform from when we started, we've managed to actually get some people who were picked from the award ceremony to, to work in embassies. We've got people who've been called to work in some of these big organization or to perform just because someone has seen them via the awards, which is something that um, brings how to fulfillment for me. Indeed, indeed. It's nice work what you're doing with the awards. And we were on the podcast nominated, so we're also happy <laughs> that, yeah. that we're nominated. Um, so, Doctor, another part of your career is your upcoming book launch. Your book mm -hmm. simply plus. Uh, tell us about it. I see it's about um women recognizing them not having that self belief and esteem, um despite their body type, their body shapes, and everything. So that's I don't know if that's what, but that's what I <laughs> no. try to Actually, read about it. <laughs> yeah, I uh to be honest, I I feel um people have really got uh, plus wrong. Um, Simply Plus is uh, not for women only. Uh, really? The challenge that I'm doing is for women because March is a woman's month. But the book is for everyone. It's not for women. Okay. 
Yes. So um, I know uh, just today somebody was asking me like, oh, Simply Plus, is it for plus size women? And (laughs) and, and I'm like, okay, because I'm plus size myself. It doesn't mean that the book is about plus size. Of course, I'm sharing my story and my experiences. But plus size, plus, the Simply Plus does not mean, you know, uh, being fat or plus, but I used plus for me as the word that adds value plus as in being positive right not just being big of course I share in that story I share about uh, my uh, challenges as a plus size woman but the book basically is more of um, appearance you know being judged based on appearance. So it can be because you are fat or you are thin or you are light or you're dark or you are black or you're white. You know, like just being judged because of how you look. Okay. So yeah. it's it's a book about positivity. Basically. Yes, it's a book of, of saying, you know what, because uh, I write that it's how I changed, you know, my negatives into my positives. Like, um, I think personally for me, I've been judged based on how I look. Like I told you when I started that, you know, uh, being in a school leadership and being in, um, I'm not in Africa, right? Um, I'm here in China and heading a a big international school and as an African you you get those things just because I'm African people like oh how can she be the head of this right I've had people tell me that oh uh, African education is poor what do you think you can do you know or just looking at me and like oh you're too fat or you're black or you're this, you know? So it's basically about being judged based on how you look and not what you know or what you can do. Um, So I've seen that the launch date's uh, 11th March, Guangzhou. Yes. yes. And 25th March, Beijing. Yes. Um. So after then, the books will be, how, how can someone access book yeah um i will have the books at the launch and uh both going and beijing after that i'll try and see how people can order especially here in china and also maybe outside china via amazon and things like that but for china of course people can directly uh, get in touch with me if they want it um you said you only you your 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 profession is basically in education, right? Yes. Um. So, I think you've you've seen both the parts of the Chinese education and African education. Mm-hmm. Um, and my problem with African education, or the educational system I came from in Uganda, was more theoretical, less practical, and mm-hmm. we're studying things which we would never even apply. Studying about <laughs> countries we may not, we may never go. History of things that we that don't even concern us. Um, I don't know about the educational system in China, but how do you think the African education system should be modeled for African solutions? 
from your experience? Do you know, um, I sort of like uh, disagree with you in some way. Mm. You know, I actually feel that our African education is powerful in as much as we feel um, we learn things that are not related to Africa. But I think we've learned things that has made us be able to succeed outside Africa. Because we do understand what goes outside Africa. Okay. And I think, to, for yes, for me, I, I think Africa has actually prepared us to be global citizens. Mm. But I know maybe because we're still behind in terms of, you know, when we want to compare ourselves with other countries. But education-wise, man, an African man is more educated than any other. You know, being in schools myself, I've seen that. You know, we can, where I'll tell you we're behind, we're behind in technology. But when it comes to studying, to learning, to whatever we learn, we're not behind. We are not at all behind. Okay. Yeah. For me, I appreciate learning history about Russia because now I know. I, I learned history about, you know, the UK and everything. And I tell you, it has prepared me to even talk to these people when I meet them. Imagine if I had learned about Zimbabwe and now I'm heading an international school. What will I be talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I know, do you know, I, I'm saying that they, we get angry and stuff like that. But to be honest with you, I think whoever did our education system, they were, they were intelligent, man. What we are behind in is just to learn how to, you know, improve um, the problems that we have, which basically, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but it has nothing to do with education. This is what I want to say. Okay. I think yeah. it's nice when I hear another perspective to, to that side of the argument. No, I'll tell you this. Being head of a school, I, I know that I can tell you clearly that, you know what, I'll be proud to even fish out children from a Ugandan uh, rural school. I'll tell you they'll come and they'll... <laughs> They'll do amazing stuff compared to the kids that I have. They might be behind on maybe holding the computer and using the iPad and all, but I tell you, brain-wise and no, nah, our kids are sharp. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just parents, don't have. They just don't have. Seriously, do, do you know what? We just don't have um, resources to make us at par. But I tell you we're at par. If you look, I, I just, I, I'm not sure about Uganda, but if you look, I'll give you an example in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe still writes Cambridge exams. You know, the A-levels and the IGCSEs. If you see how Zimbabwean kids are getting A's 
in examinations that are in, you know, from the UK that are being written by the people in England and all over the world. But these people are, are writing from rural schools and, and they are passing. And then we say that our education is nah, 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 nah. <laughs> our, our teachers are doing more, man, even teaching from one book. Mm. Yeah. Um, my next uh, question would be uh, that aspect of your life of being a United Nations fellow. Tell me about it. Yeah, uh, being nominated or rather um, getting into uh, the United uh, Nations, you know, it was one of my transformative uh, things that ever happened to me. I actually became the first one to represent Zimbabwe and also represent China. Uh, uh, when I started Appreciate Africa Network, I told you it was more just to promote Africa. There was nothing about protecting, like I said. So going to or having the United Nations give me that fellowship. It was actually after that um, thing of the Wuhan Museum that I told you. And basically it was more on educating me on um, the human rights because uh, remember I told you we started representing people we didn't pay with papers, people were being arrested and not getting representation and things like that. So the fellowship was just there to be able to help me learn the human rights law. So I actually went to the UN to, to do that. I went to Geneva to study the human rights law. Okay. As in to be able to help people of African descent in China. Okay, so... Um... The skills that you learned there, um, do you think they, they can help you um, add more value to, to the organization that you, that you currently have? Yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, after having done that, um, I think I've seen a lot of things that we've asked for changes from the Chinese government that have happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, In terms of Africans. Yeah. Um. You've said something. Uh. I want to ask this question. Mm -hmm. Do you think China was ready to go international, like to be international? This international hub, especially from people from all parts of the world, especially from Africa. I think they were ready. Because it seems like people have issues. Like it's like. I don't know, but there's a sense among, especially the people I'm around with, that if you compare the way the Chinese would treat we Africans and maybe in Europe, they feel like maybe China wasn't exposed so much. And now all of a sudden they're having an influx of foreigners. So I don't know, the systems and the leadership and the people don't seem ready. Would you buy into that argument? Really, I would agree with that because um, my MBA, I did an MBA. My MBA was uh, on global imaging markets. <clears throat> and 
you know, China as a global emerging market. And, you know, what we discussed during that time, you know, during the MBA was China was, how can I say, developing faster than its citizens. You know, when you have a country developing so fast, but then the people are still behind. Yeah. The people still don't understand. The people, you know, they 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 are still also amazed with what is happening, and and stuff. So yes, I I would like to 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 think about that that they developed really really fast, whilst their citizens are still, you know, lagging behind. So it will also take time to really educate the citizens to actually, you know, have that international mindedness that they're trying to have. Okay. Um, my second last question would be, um, what are your views on, uh, now that March is a day of women, I want your views on feminism. Um, I grew up in a patriarchal society where <laughs> a woman was told that her place is in the kitchen, you know, uh, where everything was given to a male child or <clears throat> preferences were given to males than females. And at the same time, actually, I was born in a family of nine and I have eight brothers and I'm the only girl. So <laughs> growing up, I've seen, you know, how women or girls also just, you know, follow in, in this thing of like, you know, I'm a girl and they limit themselves. <clears throat> so what I, I just want to maybe say to women or girls this women's month is, you know, the sky is the beginning, not, you know, we always hear like, oh, the sky is the limit. No, no, no. For me, the sky is the beginning. Um, you know, as women or as girls, we should really stop limiting ourselves on what we can do. We should be women or girls who hunt goals, who take courageous decisions and not think like, oh, if I do this, maybe people will think like, oh, I'm just, you know, a female or um, on the agenda of improving females. But I think we should um, not limit ourselves. Um, and then what, you're from Zimbabwe. So what makes you a proud Zimbabwean? Our education. Education system in Zimbabwe. Yes, education system in Zimbabwe. I think if you check, um, Zimbabwe has been one of the top countries in Africa with um, literacy rate, high literacy rate. For yeah. years, it, it has remained like that. So it's, it's something that really makes me proud. I know in as much as I'm saying that we're still behind on other things, but um, I'm just proud that, you know, each and every person back home has that chance to go to school and and stuff. That's something that makes me proud as a Zimbabwean. Uh, Dr. Sami, um, Dr. Samantha, 
um it was a pleasure having you really nice discussion and uh, look forward to having you again soon thank you so much for taking time to talk to me and um i appreciate also what you're doing um you're also sort of like doing what we do right uh putting africans out there for people to get to know what we're doing which is something that is really amazing and wonderful because I feel some people don't really get to know what Africans are doing here in China. So I actually appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.